Welcome to episode five of the Ask the Law Firm Seller Show. My name is Jeremy Pook and I lead Senior Attorney Match. In today's show, we'll have three segments. The first segment will consist of questions and answers, Q&A. The second is we'll welcome in a guest, attorney Paul Tetzel of Tetzel Law. Tetzel Law several years ago um, grew by acquiring a, um, a senior attorney-led personal injury law firm. And segment three will be Pook's Post. And just a preview for Pook's Post today, it's going to be about the fact that the book of business that senior attorneys develop over the course of their careers is not evergreen. All right, let's jump right into it. So our first question um, is, if I plan to sell my law practice within the next one to two years, what do you recommend? Great question. Most lawyers are thinking to themselves that they don't want to sell the law practice you know, within just a couple of months. Often they are thinking a year or two ahead. So what we're showing here is really four major items to be considering when you're thinking 12 to 24 months ahead in terms of selling your law practice. First and foremost, your most valuable asset of your law practice is your book of business it's your client list and so many lawyers year in year out we think to ourselves okay who's the next client who's the next client we're trying to bring in business some of us are doing a decent job at marketing and staying in touch with our clients but as you're thinking about selling your practice very 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 important so those were three varies right on uh updating the client list in terms of updating the addresses of your clients the email addresses of your clients, phone numbers, and very importantly, cell phone numbers, right? We're all texting with our clients today, or many of us are texting with our clients, and having their cell phone numbers is certainly important. So first and foremost, please update the address information for the clients within your book of business, which consists, of course, of your client list and also your referral sources. What is, what is their contact information? Secondly, is please update your website. So many of us think to ourselves like, okay, I'll do it next month. I'll do it next year. When you're thinking of selling your law firm, it doesn't need to be, you know, the best website out there, but certainly sprucing it up. By comparison, if you're thinking of selling the home that you lived in for a generation, before you sell your home, you very well may paint the outside, update a bathroom, update other parts of your house. So similarly, like your website, please consider updating your bios, adding new pictures, adding new content. Maybe the last time that you updated your website, you didn't include certain practice areas because any buyer, the first thing that they're gonna be looking at when they're considering purchasing your law practice, they're gonna go straight to your website. You don't want your website to be the 2012 version of what you are now. Third is social media could be daunting, okay? We understand there's so many aspects of social media today, so we here recommend a minimum and an ideal. On a minimum basis, considering you've got 12 to 24 months as you're considering to sell your law firm, is please update your LinkedIn profile. Just as people are going to your website to check you out, they also are gonna check you out on LinkedIn. So that picture of yourself from like 10 years ago, just please go out, get a professional, photo done, doesn't cost that much, doesn't take too much time, 
add that to your LinkedIn profile, expand please on your, on your bio, what it is that you do. Please also try to increase the number of contacts. I can just tell you as someone that looks at a lot of LinkedIn profiles, when I see someone that has 40 connections or even 150 connections, I just think to myself, boy, this person is really not that connected with all that many people. They're not so focused on, on, on networking. Even from a seller standpoint, I mean, you've grown your business, I recognize, by a lot of word of mouth, but getting up to 500 connections is really not that difficult you know a lot of people and updating that LinkedIn profile is very important because people buyers are going to be looking at your website and your LinkedIn profile I the ideal is to also just start dibbling and dabbling or maybe expanding if you're already if you've already dibbled and dabbled with additional social media that is Facebook posts Facebook groups threads Twitter which is now X Instagram is starting to do social media because would-be buyers and also would-be clients are looking for you on social media today as well. And then with that 12 to 24 month ramp that you've got, please start reviewing important contracts, right? Like your lease. When is the lease set to renew? Okay. And please consider if your lease is set to renew within that one to two year period, do you really want to extend it for five years? Perhaps you extend it for less time with more options just to give yourself flexibility and just not to be caught off guard with certain term contracts like your legal research contract, even that website contract that you that you have, your benefits packages, and certainly your malpractice insurance. It's important to look at you know what it is that you have for for your for your policy um, uh, term in terms of well of course they're they're annual but in terms of what that um, aggregate amount is and what a tail policy cost would be when you look at the malpractice um, insurance and certainly there's additional contracts that you can be looking at um, as well. Okay, for our second question today, um, our second question is what are the typical financial terms? in law firm sales. All right, so what we're gonna focus on on this question in terms of the, um, the typical financial terms in law firm sales. We are in, and I foresee that we're gonna continue to be in for the foreseeable future, what we call law firm sales 1.0. The financial terms in law firm sales 1.0 consists of an earnout price. Rather than there be consideration paid at a closing table, most buyers are wary of paying a significant amount up front at a closing table, and banks are wary to lend because we don't know whether the key value item of the sale of a law firm, which is the clients and referral sources of a selling lawyer or selling law firm, we don't know if those clients and referral sources are going to continue with a buyer. Hence, the financial terms are typically based upon earnout terms. And those earnout terms are often a percentage of the revenues that come in from the clients derived from a senior attorney's client list and referral source list paid out over a negotiated number of years. So again, very succinctly, it's a percentage of revenues comes in from what we'll call now the book of business over a negotiated number of years. What we're often seeing in the marketplace is a 20% fee sharing, can be higher, can also be lower, over a, let's say a five-year period, and that results in a one times of gross revenues is something we're often seeing in the marketplace for the financial terms in a law firm sales 1.0 type of sale. Now, how is it actually done in terms of 
how the clients come over to the growing to a growing law firm, a purchaser. Trust transfer is the key element to making sure that sellers realize the consideration that their firms are worth, that earnout price of being paid a percentage of the revenues that come in from the book of business, the, the generation of those, or really regeneration or ongoing generation of revenues from the book of business depends upon the senior attorney transferring the trust of his or her clients to the lawyers at the, at the buying firm, what we call growing law firms. So what often happens is our clients join a growing law firm, enter into these earnout terms, and the senior attorney, <clears throat> excuse me, is responsible for transferring the trust of clients to those lawyers at the growing firm, and it's done in really three ways. The first way is in person. Meet in person with clients and say to the clients, I'm now working with new partners. My new partners, let's say, are Ashley and Mike. I trust Ashley and Mike. You can trust Ashley and Mike. Trust transfer happens. It works. Second, now that we are in a post-2020 world, we are in the Zoom world. We've all been what's called Zoomified, right? We, we, we live in this world where we can be meeting with people online in a digital setting. Trust transfer happens exactly the same way where a senior attorney can be almost anywhere in the country or anywhere in the world, get onto a Zoom meeting with clients, lawyers at the firm that the, that the senior attorney joined, do the trans, trust transfer, that also works. And then the third way, which is a great way to develop business for the growing for the growing law firm, including with different practice areas that a growing law firm may offer in addition to what a senior attorney has traditionally offered, is via social media, right? That book of business that a senior attorney has developed and brings over to a growing law firm. Well, if that growing law firm starts sending e-newsletters and other types of social media type touches with the book of business with the clients of a senior attorney then those clients may very well call whether into the senior attorney or sometimes even bypass the senior attorney and say oh i see now that you guys do let's say divorce i always work with such and such senior attorney i see that you're the divorce attorney i received the e-newsletter explaining about your family law department and unfortunately you know my my niece is going through a divorce could you uh, could you represent my niece and the senior attorney gets credit for that because of the trust transfer that was done digitally via social media. Trust transfer is what we call that flux capacitor. It is what makes the earnouts happen because it's so important to transfer the trust of your clients to the lawyers and the law firm that you join. Okay, for our next question today. Our next question is, should I consider selling to a growing law firm that wants to add my practice area to its practice? All right, so this is a question that comes up with our clients from time to time. That is, all right, I've developed um, a, a, a T&E practice, okay? And I do T&E, I do some corporate, I do some real estate. Why don't I bring over that transactional type practice to a litigation firm, okay? Because they don't offer T&E and corporate and real estate, and, and that would be a great fit for what my practice offers. So here I'll go family feud style, and just say, okay, survey says on that, eh, okay, we really don't believe in that, that add on to a new practice because what we see in the marketplace is the right buyer for senior attorneys is a firm that is already practicing in the area where you practice and they 
have needs in terms of how they can continue to boost their growth. What a firm, so just go back to our example, a firm, let's say, that's in growth mode, they do real estate, they do trust in estates, they do corporate. Well, what do they need, right? They need new clients. They need an experienced workforce that is other lawyers and para staff that can that that can grow with that growing firm. And in today's post twenty twenty post twenty twenty world, what we call the three digital era for the legal industry, they need digital content. And what senior attorney-led firms offer to the firms that are what we call like-kind, right? Your, your T&E real estate and corporate firm is like-kind to a growing firm that does the same as you. You have exactly what they need. So rather than think of trying to join a firm that isn't doing what you're doing, what we find the right firm is a firm that is doing exactly what you're doing because you have what they want. And just to show that in a bit of a different way in terms of the benefits of growth by acquisition, okay? Because as you're thinking, who's the right firm to sell to? The benefits of growth by acquisition, there are four key benefits to growing law firms. Those are the instant client growth of what a senior attorney-led firm presents with its book of business. The combined workforce bringing over lawyers, of course, the senior attorney, but other lawyers and para staff from the senior attorney-led firm to the growing firm, huge benefit. The third benefit is the cumulative expertise. You, senior attorneys, other attorneys at your firm, and the para staff, they've developed all kinds of experience in the same like-kind practice areas as a, as a growing law firm. That cumulative expertise presents great benefits to a growing law firm. And then finally is the marketing value. Many senior attorney-led firms are sitting on a tremendous amount of digital content. They just don't even really realize it. All that expertise that they've developed that can be translated into content today in podcasts, vo uh, blogs, vlogs, e-newsletters, all the things that most senior attorneys don't have the time to do when they join growing law firms, that content that they're sitting at, can, sitting on can be marketed not only to the clients of the senior attorney, but the clients of the growing law firms that they've joined, and also just generally in, term of, in, in terms of marketing to the general public once these two firms combine, because again, the senior attorneys present these great benefits to growing law firms that practice in like-kind areas as a senior attorney. So our next question. Um, our next question is, all right, I'm worried that if I ask my internal successor to purchase my practice, she'll just look for another job. What do you recommend that I do? All right, this is a tough one, okay? Because often um, what we find is that the senior attorneys and their would-be internal successors just ignore something that is super important that they should not be ignoring after a certain period of time. That is what a senior attorney is thinking about um, retiring or semi-retiring. What we find, the thoughts that they have is when will my internal successors, when will they come down the hall and offer to buy my practice. That's absolutely on their mind. It's on their mind when it's their birthday. It's on their mind um, on the first of the year. It's on their mind when they're uh, paying rent. It's on their mind um, when they're pay when they're paying paychecks. Not that it's on their mind all the time, but it's absolutely on the minds of senior attorneys, attorneys that have practiced more than 30 years. What's on the mind of the internal successors? What's on the mind typically of the internal successors are thinking, geez, what happens if my boss retires? Okay, boy, I can't, I can't afford 
to purchase this law practice. I've got all kinds of other expenses going on in my life. And then should I actually call back that recruiter who keeps calling me and telling me that I've got another opportunity at another firm that I could join? So as these, as these thoughts are going through the minds of the senior attorney, thinking when could the internal successor come and purchase my practice, and the internal successor thinking that they don't really want to purchase, they really can't afford to either, just want to show what happens with client revenues, okay? Over time, what we find is that lawyers that stay in their status quo, that is senior attorneys that stay in their status quo, and they don't have internal successors that are big biz dev type folks, we find that revenues are going down over the years because senior attorneys by and large are not marketing digitally in today's 3.0 digital era and less new clients are coming into the firm which is resulting in less revenue. So revenues are going down generally. But if a internal successor hits you up with what we call a random Tuesday, someone that could have been working with you for five years, 10 years, 15 plus years may very well walk down the hall one day and say to you, you know what? I'm leaving. I got an offer for a better for a better job, and um, I, I know that you always wanted me to take over the practice, but I just got a better job, and this is better for me and my family. So, if your internal successor doesn't want to purchase the practice, and that random Tuesday could potentially happen, then what is your other option? And what we find is that the synergy value of what senior attorney-led firms offer to growing law firms is an under-recognized opportunity for senior attorneys and for their would-be internal successors. Because once senior attorneys recognize that their would-be internal successor really doesn't want to purchase their practice and can't afford to either, then we love to hit them up with great news that look, a growing law firm does want and need what you have because you offer instant client growth. The combined workforce, your internal successor that really wants a job would love to have a job at a growing law firm and have that stability that a growing law firm can offer and they want and need that internal successor who really doesn't want to purchase your law firm. The cumulative expertise that you all offer, that is you, the senior attorney, your attorneys that work with you, your parastap, great value add to growing law firms and then the marketing value of what senior attorneys can offer to growing law firms that synergy value in terms of who wants that synergy value it is growing law firms want your law firms they need your firms they need your staff a heck of a lot more than the would-be internal successor that you just wish would walk down the hallway and offer to purchase your law firm.